Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse's first loss of the season and a rematch at Duke. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest today is post-standard basketball and football writer and friend of the show, Chris Carlson. Chris, thanks so much for coming on today, just like the old days of the D.O., huh? Yeah, my pleasure, Wes. Uh, thanks for thinking of me, and uh, thanks for having me. Sure. Chris, I want to start you off on this one. Obviously a very disappointing and deflating loss to Boston College on Wednesday. What was the mood like in the locker room after the game? You know, I, I was surprised at how well they handled it. Um, you know, the, maybe it's this team. Um, maybe it's, it's just that it's a pretty good bunch of guys. They were all pretty professional. They, they were certainly down. Um, as you would expect after a loss, but nobody was disconsolate. Um, everybody kind of went through their, their interviews at their locker like they normally would, um, and, and everybody seemed you know, relatively eager to get back out there. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, last year's team went through some losses and some bumps in the road, and these guys are back. Um, I don't know if it's the number of closed games and the feeling that you know, they were going to lose one at, at some point, but I, I was a little surprised that they weren't more down, but I think that's probably a good thing moving forward. What did you see in that game that led them to this loss? Because, you know, they were up double digits in the second half. I mean, was it the poor perimeter defense? Was it uh, the lack of offensive execution? What were you seeing there? Yeah, I mean, for a while there, when they were up 13 in the second half, it looked like another one of those, well, they didn't play great, but but they're going to win this thing type of games. Um, and it even looks like it wasn't going to be all that difficult for a while. Um, I think the difference in that game was that, that the defense on the perimeter shots wasn't very good. Uh, at the top of the zone and, and the guards did not get out on the Boston College players the way they needed to and, and didn't adjust to the fact that those guys were, were knocking down threes out of that four-guard alignment. That is what was different from the previous game. But, but the culprit and the thing to worry about moving forward, I think, continues to be the offense. I think the defense comes back and is okay. The offense is the more long-term problem because, you know, I, I'm not as down on it maybe as Jim Beheim is. I don't think they've played awful since Duke, hmm. but it, it hasn't been nearly as good since that Duke game. Well, I, I have to agree overall that, 
you know, the offensive efficiency has still been pretty good since that Duke game. But you have to look at C.J. Fair's stats, and I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. Uh, the Notre Dame game, 2 of 13. Clemson, 8 of 13. Pitt, 6 of 14. NC State, here's a, here's a clunker, 5 of 16. Of course, uh, 7 of 23 against Pitt. So if you combine that, 28 of 79 or 35 percent. You know, I think offensively the team is doing fine outside of C.J. Fair, but he's really slumping. Is this, you know, kind of a mid-season wall? Is it is Fair just tired from playing all these minutes because of, you know, the six-man rotation with Keita being out? What do you see going on here? And I think I think he is the key because outside of Trevor Cooney, he is kind of the spacer on that team. He might not have three-point range, but, but he can at least keep teams from clogging the lane when he's hitting the mid-range jumper. Uh, that's kind of, he's kind of the second shooter, even if he's not behind the arc. Uh, he has really, really struggled. He, he's 27 on three-pointers, and he was up in the 40s last year. Uh, and, and like you said, he's gotten progressively worse. I don't buy the fact that there's a huge difference between playing 40 minutes and 36 minutes a game. Uh, I know that's something that people like to jump on because Jim Beheim does ride his guys hard. I don't think that, you know, an hour and a half of physical activity over three months <laughs> really wears down the body of a 20-year-old athlete. Um, however, mentally, you know, it's different. C.J. Fair is worried about the NBA draft. To some extent, he doesn't bring it up, but, but he's a human being. He has to be concerned about the NBA draft and, and where he is in these mock drafts. He has to be a little bit worried about what scouts are thinking when they're showing up. Um, and he has been asked to be the primary scorer for a team that won 25 straight games and was number one in the country. That is a lot of pressure day by day. And I think the mental grind is what concerns me with C.J. Fair more than the physical grind. But he certainly has looked tired for some reason. Um, I think it's more, you know, they need to get him mentally in the right place than you know, it's a physical thing that he can't recover from. Um, but I think mentally he needs, he needs a little bit of work right now. Well, C.J. Fair's next game, Syracuse's next game, is against Duke tomorrow night. And obviously the Cameron Crazies are going to be looking for a measure of revenge. But you look at their schedule, and they were originally supposed to only play two games this week, but now they had that North Carolina game last night where it was an emotional game, big rivalry game, and they ended up uh, losing to North Carolina. Do you think, you just mentioned, you know, the physical attributes I'm not too worried about, but you get up for this big rivalry game and then you have Syracuse coming into town. Do you think that has any effect on Duke uh, playing that rivalry game just two nights ago and then having to get back up for another big game against Syracuse? Yeah, I think absolutely it is a huge, huge benefit for Syracuse. Um, you know, Syracuse lost at home, but it wasn't a rivalry game. They were probably a little flat in that game to begin with. Uh, I, I think they have no problem getting up for Duke. Uh, Duke may have a problem getting themselves motivated uh, for Syracuse. Like you said, they, they wasted or, or used a lot of emotion in that North Carolina game. Um, Coach Mike Krzyzewski said they looked flat in that game, and, and then they had this quick turnaround to play Syracuse again. Um, you know, when I was looking at that game before the rescheduling, I was like, well, this, this is a tough one for Syracuse. They're going down to Cameron. You know, you know Duke's going to get some of the calls. The 50-50 calls are going to go the home team's way. That's a really tough matchup for Syracuse. I'd still probably lean Duke if I had to pick, 
pick this game, but I think it's much closer to 50-50, you know, as far as who wins it than it was when I first looked at it. So I'll get you out of here on this one, Chris. Uh, you know, Syracuse has this really difficult three-game road stretch coming up. We just mentioned at Duke, but then they go at Maryland, which is, you know, they're not a ranked team, but they're, they're still in kind of the middle of the pack of the ACC. Then they have another big game at Virginia, who has been the surprise of the league and could legitimately compete not only for the ACC title, but legitimately for a one seed in the NCAA tournament with the way they've been playing. This is a very difficult stretch for Syracuse. Everyone knew that coming into the season. How do you see this shaking out? I'm not necessarily asking for predictions on wins and losses, but how do you see this shaking out overall? I, I think the, the most likely scenario is kind of they go, uh, you know, they probably drop two in that stretch. Um, you know, that's probably what I would put odds on right now. And I, I think that's enough. To, to, if they go deep in the ACC tournament, you know I, I think it's enough to keep them in the the Buffalo uh, Madison Square Garden venue, uh, which is which is the big deal for them. Um, but it's hard; it is really hard to say because they just have not played particularly well lately. I think it's I think it's a case of teams getting geared up for that number one team in the country, them absorbing a team's best shot every single night and then them being just a little mentally fatigued. So I think, you know, as much as Jim Beheim has denied it, as much as Syracuse has denied it, I think the loss helps. Maybe not necessarily helps them feel better, but I don't think they get a team's absolute, you know, best shot every single time they play. And I think that helps Syracuse a little bit during that stretch. Chris, thank you again so much for coming on. Again, Chris Carlson from the Post Standard and Syracuse.com doing a great job of covering the men's basketball team this season. Chris, we'll speak with you soon. Take care. Absolutely, Wes. You too. Always a pleasure to be joined by Chris Carlson. He and I go way back to our days of covering uh, the Syracuse Athletics for the Daily Orange, so it was great to have him on the program. But I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you? I'm doing very well, Wes. Looking forward to Syracuse and Duke tomorrow night. Well, Brad, before we get to that, and we're definitely going to get to that in a little bit, let's talk about that very tough loss to Boston College. What was the biggest takeaway for you from that game? I think a confluence of events finally caught up with the Orange in that game, including the fact that uh, we've talked about it all season, teams organizing a strategy to attack the number one team, in this case with BC slowing down the ball, as have so many other ACC opponents so far this year. I think the fact that uh, the, the depth issue uh, came up again here for the third straight game uh, with Bayern Musiqueda not able to play any significant minutes, just a couple in the first half. And then the offensive woes for this team uh, coming up uh, again as a problem in this ball game. I remember about three weeks ago, Wes, we talked about, I was saying that, you know, to me it was all about defense on this team not as concerned about the offense production because there are four key players that can score. But, of course, as you uh, talked about a little bit earlier with C.J. Fair, uh, the offense just hasn't been there as potent as it has been earlier in the year. And Brad, you've been around the Syracuse basketball program for as long as anyone, and you've been covering Syracuse basketball for the past five decades. And, you know, you've seen these teams coming through, come through, and you see the patterns. Is this the tip of the iceberg, or is this just one of those games where you say, you know what, you take it in isolation and you move on? Because you did just mention the offense has been struggling over the past few games. Well, I think it is sort of former, the, the latter. You know, I think the college basketball season is almost like a game. Basketball is a game of streaks. 
And I think that's what kind of is happening with the Syracuse Orange. And if you look through Jim Beheim's career, you've seen this happen as well, where there's a little bit of a swoon as the schedule gets into you know late February into early March. And, and again, I think it's you know a combination of factors. You're the number one team. Everyone's gunning for you to get that publicity as the team hmm. and uh, to knock off number one and to make their program. Right. And in this case, also now moving forward, uh, it, it's the schedule too. So I think it's kind of a mix. It wouldn't surprise me if Syracuse lost to Duke on Saturday night, but it wouldn't surprise me if they won that game. So I, I think it's really hard to say for sure, but I, I'm going to have to kind of guess that you'll see Syracuse maybe lose one or two more, but still finish out on a pretty up note. Now, you just mentioned the Duke game. Um, then they go at Maryland. Then they go at Virginia. And I, I was just talking with uh, Chris Carlson about the same thing. Do you see this being the place where they trip up? Because they had that very difficult stretch at the end of last season. And, you know, they had a bunch of tough losses, and then they get blown out by Georgetown. Is this that, that kind of time when they're going to go through maybe a rough patch and then recollect themselves? Or do you see them kind of regrouping already since they've had that rough, rough patch? And, and blasting through these three games? I see them regrouping. You know, I don't see a lot of exact same parallels from last year's team to this year's. Last year's was a much better three-point shooting team, many more weapons there. And I think last year's problems were the same as what happened now. The offense went into a funk, as you know, 39 points in that regular season <laughs> finale against Georgetown at the end of last year. So I think they're going to regroup. Syracuse and Jim Beheim teams have always played well in – uh, opposing venues, I think the championship season at Michigan State, uh, a couple of other places they've won over the years. I think they're going to regroup. The problem is you're still playing very good teams, the top of echelon with Virginia and Duke in the ACC, and then a decent Maryland team. Georgia Tech should win at home, but then again, we talked that about BC, and I think that Florida State finale is going to be a tough one. I think they'll regroup, but it's the competition that's going to make it tough to see if they finish up these five games, four and one, three and two, or even two and three. Brad, uh, you're, you just mentioned it in the beginning when you came on. Uh, you're going to be down at Duke tomorrow. You're going to be in Cameron. It's, it's one of the most anticipated games of the season, of course, the first being the original Duke-Syracuse game. But you're going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. What are you personally looking uh, forward to the most? The Cameron crazies and just soaking up all that atmosphere. I mean, the fact that these students for, forever have been camping out to Shuskyville and the passion that Duke basketball shows. I mean, it's really one of the elite places to watch a game in college basketball. I'm sure a lot of college hoop fans have it on a bucket list. So I'm just most uh, uh, thrilled to look forward to soaking in the entire experience with the Cameron Crazies, cover boy Mike Krzyzewski and Jabari Parker of Sports Illustrated this week to see them up close and impersonal and just seeing if Syracuse can rise to the challenge and hand Duke a second straight defeat this year. Brad, we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Along the same theme, while Syracuse is going to knock off Cameron uh, on its list tomorrow night and probably play North Carolina in the Dean Smith Center next year, they played in the NCAA tournament in 1988, uh, I really wish that Syracuse and Kansas would get an home-and-home series. I'd love to see SU basketball play at the famous Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas and love to uh, host the team that Syracuse knocked off for a national championship, one of the elite programs in the game at the Carrier Dome. So, Herm Frazier in the athletic department and Jim Beheim, see if you can get Kansas on the schedule before Coach Beheim retires. <laughs> uh, my closing thoughts are on the Syracuse alum, Vanessa Williams. She did a great job singing the national anthem prior to the Syracuse-Duke game, and earlier this week she announced that she's going to be joining the cast of Broadway's After Midnight. Just want to send a congratulations out to her. 
That's it for us. For Brad Bierman, this is Wes Chang reminding you that the difference between a row of motorcycles and a row of dominoes depends on how nearby the motorcycle owners are. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.